Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome home. This is Tracy, and we want to thank you for being a part of the Life Together podcast. Before we get into this week's teaching, we want you to know that you matter to God and you matter to us. Life Together is a Wednesday evening gathering for worship, Bible study, and community here at Oak Creek Assembly of God in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. about the nature of zeal or grit that makes a person marketable to the workforce. Forbes businesses will look for people who have grit and zeal in the hiring process. And businesses find that so much effort and money goes into finding someone for a job to have them established and trained, and then that person doesn't have the grit and the zeal to stick around their job. It's a waste of money for companies. And so recruiters will look for people personally, look for people, ask specific questions to get an idea of what drives a person what a person's vision is, and how they want to grow in their work experience. Recruiters looking for the perfect fit of an employee for a job will look at someone's motivation, flexibility to grow, resourcefulness to fix their own problems, and passionate responses to look at zeal. The most productive place a person can be within a workforce is something that a person is passionate about, not someone who is detached from their job where they get discouraged in their work or unsatisfied, but someone who is passionate about what they're doing is gonna put forth the most productive work and the best work, and that's what companies are looking for when they hire people. Today, we're gonna look at zeal, and so we're gonna take us back to New Testament times, and I wanna tell you that there's a teacher during Jesus's day Um, And teachers were so important, not just someone who would go to school and teach kids about how to read and write and arithmetic, but they would um, teach people how to live and how to do governance and how to think and how to be wise and how to culturally adapt to what's going on. Following a teacher was was a lifestyle for people, just like the disciples followed their rabbi, Jesus. There's another teacher who is a Jewish teacher, and his name was Gamaliel. And Gamaliel, to this day, is considered one of the top two Jewish rabbis in all of history. This was 2,000 years ago. And at the feet of Gamaliel sat a man by the name of Saul, and he studied under Gamaliel which takes us to Acts chapter nine tonight, and we will find our person for the evening. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for the cooperation and the rest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. 
this man Saul was a very important guy. So he had kind of two different cultural identities. His first identity, he was a Jew, and he was raised studying under the teacher Gamaliel. He was very, very smart. He was a leader in his day. He knew the law backwards and forwards. He would teach other people how to follow the law. And his Jewish name was Saul. What was special about Saul is he also had um, a Roman citizenship. And as a Roman citizen, it was required that he also took on a Roman identity, a Roman name. And his Roman name is Paul. And here in this passage, we have the calling of Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle wrote most of the New Testament. Paul the Apostle is the person responsible for carrying the gospel to the Gentile world, to people who weren't Jews. And most likely because of Paul's influence in our world, we who aren't Jewish or of Jewish heritage can know Jesus because of Paul's experience right here on his road to Damascus. And through Paul's revelation of who Jesus is and the calling on his life, I've heard this echoing question that's just been on my heart all week long. And I I believe it's the, the question that the Lord wants to ask each one of us tonight is, what are you zealously pursuing? We have a modern day understanding of this ancient word zealot, right? We're still awed by people who zealously pursue ambitious goals, who rise above from the bottom to the top, who defy opposition, who, who aren't bound by financial bonds, who rise out of the ash. We're inspired by people who will defeat all odds because of their zeal and their drive. We're awed by these people. And then on the other hand, we're a a bit angered by people who are zealots, right? People who are driven by selfish ambition and feed into human trafficking. And we're also, um, we're also daunted by people who would be so zealous for what they believe is truth to crash into the Twin Towers because they think that Allah needs to be praised and let's kill the Western thinkers. People, when they're driven by zeal, will go to all ends to accomplish what their goal is. And our question tonight from the Lord is, what are you zealously pursuing? Zeal is something that propels us through opposition. There have been books written on grit and drive and studies done about how these two characteristics shape a society and shape a person from before they were born up until old age. Grit and drive is something that is at work in our society. And when we have grit and drive and zeal, we get lost to time. Time isn't a problem because we're so zealously pursuing what we love, what's important to us. We forget about financial limitations. We forget about voices of opposition uh, that speak against our goals. We don't care as much about those things. We carve out time and space in our busy lives to make room for zealous pursuits. We don't mind being comfortable pursuing being uncomfortable pursuing a goal as long as it lines up with the values that drive us. And usually those would be things like family um, or religion or politics or finances, something that drives the values of our life. The term zealous goes back to a group of religious people a, a few years before Jesus was born. We had the Pharisees and Sadducees were religious leaders in the Jewish community. 
Um, and they were, they were zealous for the law. They wanted to see God's law established. But there were, there were a group of people who were Pharisees who took it one step further, and they say, we're not gonna be passive about this. We are gonna zealously pursue God's ways that he can be established as the holy king of Israel. And these people were known as the zealots. They would go as far as having uh, violent protests against the Romans. They would come out with swords called sicaris, and they would kill people because they were so zealous to see God established in society. They were zealots. And these zealots group of people, they lasted for a little while. And we find that Paul, Saul, was actually not just a Pharisee under the feet of Gamaliel, his teacher. Paul identified himself as a zealot. He was zealous to see God's kingdom be established. Paul was a very zealous person. These zealots had a fervor that went beyond their own comfort and ease to see God be reestablished. And before Paul's encounter with Jesus, he was zealously pursuing what he was convinced was a good endeavor. Paul was incredibly zealous. He was full of godly zeal and fervor even before he met Jesus. Zeal and grit and drive was part of who Paul was. It was in his nature. And yet his encounter with the risen Savior didn't create a new zeal in him. It purified and refined his mission. He was passionate for truth. He was naturally motivated in leadership and influence. This was interest that he already had ingrained in him. Paul himself describes his zealous actions and ambitions in some of his letters to the churches throughout Scripture. One of, one of those letters he writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 6. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. In Galatians, Paul says, um, I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. And so when Jesus asks him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul hadn't realized that being religiously zealous for the wrong truth was leading him to go against the very God that he was laying his life on the line to preserve. Paul had a wrong sense of zeal. He was zealously pursuing a wrong path, and he was so convinced it was right until he came face to face with the glory of Jesus Christ. I often considered the miracle working power that it's gonna take for someone to go from one uh, convinced ideal to another. Like I think about if I had an Islamic friend who talked to me and tried to, to persuade me to become Islamic, um, to become a Muslim, I, I'm fully convinced, not in my own self, but I'm fully convinced by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in me that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And if someone came to try to convert me to what they thought was true, I, I honestly have come to the place in my faith that I, it wouldn't stumble me. I, I would be fine to keep following Jesus. But I wonder what it takes, the sacrifice it takes for someone who's so convinced that their lifestyle and their parents and their grandparents and generations before them that have said, we are right in this venture, that they're zealously pursuing a path that leads to hell, that there's times in life that we can zealously pursue a path that we're so convinced is right, but is not 
the path that God wants us to zealously pursue. And that brings me to our second question, is how does Jesus change what you zealously pursue? I think about the disciples, right? They, they were zealous for Christ to the point of horrible persecution, like weird stuff. Like how do people come up with being burned alive? Like, oh, let's do something really mean to this person. Let's burn them alive. How do people think about that? Or some, some disciples were sawed by saws or crucified upside down or boiled in boiling oil. I mean, just horrible, horrible ways to die, right? But they were so zealously convinced with a divine convention that they knew that Jesus is worth dying for. They didn't make up the story of the resurrection. And they knew this because they saw the risen Lord and Savior. So think back when Jesus died on a cross. He even told them before he died, he said, guys, I'm going to die, but don't worry. In three days, I'm going to raise back to life. And so when Jesus died on a cross, the disciples weren't like, okay, we'll just set our clocks and three days later we'll see Jesus again. And it'll be okay, guys. It'll be okay. No, they hold themselves up in a room. They were scared to death for their lives that someone was gonna come kill them for following Jesus. And then they, they were mourning. They were like, our Messiah's dead. We were wrong. Jesus wasn't the savior. And now we're in peril. We're dead meat. And in the middle of that dark room of suffering and mourning, Jesus shows up and says, Told you, I'm here. <laughs> and at that moment, the disciples were so convinced of their risen Savior, the truth that Jesus is who he said he was, because they saw the risen Lord, that they were willing to be boiled to death and burned alive and eaten by animals and stoned to death because they knew, they knew, they knew that Jesus is who he says he is. And so we have Paul, and he's zealously pursuing something that he thinks is worth laying his life on the line for. And yet when he comes in sight of the risen Lord and Savior, the glory of Jesus shows up to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul's zeal didn't change, but his mission did. When he met Jesus, all of his zeal and strength and dedication and relationships and hobbies were now zealously focused on the one goal of calling people to Jesus. So let's go back to, to our first passage, and let's remember why Paul was going to Damascus. The Bible says Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation and the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. It wasn't by accident that Paul was trying to persecute Christians. He went out of his way to find a route to kill Jesus' followers. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Paul was zealously traveling out of his way to gather Christians for persecution. And so, I want you to remember back a couple chapters before is that our first smart, so Christianity um, was spreading. The disciples were telling people about Jesus. People were starting to believe about Jesus and putting their trust in him as their Lord and Savior. And the church was growing and things were going well. And then persecution broke out. We have our first martyr a couple chapters before uh, Saul has this encounter with Jesus. 
by a man named Stephen. Stephen was preaching the gospel, and the Jewish zealots rose up and then said, this is blasphemy, you're wrong, you're contaminating the truth of Yahweh, we can't have this in our society, you need to die. And they did, they stoned him. But the person presiding over that judgment was Saul himself. And at that point, the Bible says, persecution broke out among the church. People were scared. They had just lost a loved one, and now they were being hunted down, and they were hiding. So what they did, they went from Jerusalem to a long way, miles away north. They went to Damascus. And look where Paul is asking for permission to go persecute the church, Damascus. And somewhere along the way, Paul has this encounter with Jesus that doesn't change his zeal, but it changes his mission. And can you imagine being a Christian where Paul shows up in your church? I mean, my first reaction would be, oh no, he's here. Like, there's, we're off to prison now. There's no hope. This guy killed my grandpa, you know? But he comes into the room and he says, Jesus is the way. How floored the followers of Jesus were to see this man totally transformed, that his zeal was totally transformed. And as we look at our zealous apostle today, our last night of our series, God is Calling You, I've also heard God quietly whisper to my heart, how are you zealously pursuing Christ's mission to share Jesus with your world? See, we can be pulled in so many different directions, right? There's just so many things calling for our attention these days that we could get so wrapped up with our time and our resources and our energy and our relationships that we lose the focus of why we are zealously following Christ. Our world is constantly calling for our zeal. We're called to plights of justice and social reform, and we're called to war on hunger. We're called to political involvement. We're called to community awareness supports, like fights against breast cancer and lupus. We're drawn to supporting causes and education and extracurricular kids programs that make us buy cookies and chocolate. And all of these things are really good endeavors. These are things to, that are good to be zealous about. But we only have one life to live. And we get to be the ones to choose how are we zealously pursuing the things that are important and zealous to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And just like Paul, we're zealously drawn toward righteous pursuits. So again, we pause to ask the question, how does Jesus change what you zealously pursue? When Paul met Jesus, his zealous nature didn't change, but his mission changed. And in the middle of being pulled in so many passionate pursuits, we hear God calling us again, what are you zealously pursuing today? When we focus on Jesus, our pursuits and ambitions line up with his goals and with his kingdom building. So this week, I, I was just thinking about all these things, and I, I wanted to find out on my Facebook friends, what are you interested in? Like, what are you actively pursuing? It wasn't even the question of, what, what's zealously driving you? It was just more like, hey, what kind of interests are out there? And I got some really fun responses. I'm so glad I asked, because I learned a lot of cool stuff. So I, I got responses that are like exercise and health, 
I'm this, if, if it relates to you, then you know, you can be like, hey, that's me too. So exercising in health, reading, writing, music, gardening, being outside, vacation and Disney, arts and crafts, child raising, homemaking and cooking, event planning, home and furniture renovation, collecting stuff, photography, biking, kayaking, running, camping, and horses. Unique hobbies like woodworking and ukulele playing and Krav Maga, which is like a Jewish form of martial arts, I guess. Birding, cars, collecting uranium glass, which is radioactive glass that glows. That's <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> and Nala binding, the original sewing, sewing art. And so you just learn a lot about people by asking this question. And someone even mentioned their tarantula, which I'm happy to view that pursuit over Facebook. <laughs> so the remarkable way that Christianity spread throughout the world, because we have all of these stories of the apostles telling the story of Jesus Christ to the Ethiopian and Paul going to Arabia and Paul going to Greece and, and other disciples going to Greece and Rome and Spain and disciples going to India, which isn't recorded in Acts. Um, but we have, we have these stories of the disciples and apostles spreading the gospel. But the unnamed people that's actually responding or that's responsible for the the fiery spread of the gospel of Jesus, according to historians, are the unnamed Christian believers, those who were merchants, and they would go from Israel to Greece to sell their wares in Corinth, and while they were there, they told people about Jesus, or the homemaking moms who heard about Jesus, invited ladies into their home to have playdates and to cook and to spend the afternoon together. The gospel spread through everyday life, through common conversation, through people using their passionate interests, their everyday interests to share the love and the power and the salvation of Jesus. And so that brings us back. How can we zealously pursue God in the motivation of our everyday life? How can we turn our interests and hobbies into a magnifying glass to draw attention to Jesus? We can take all these personal interests and endeavors that are already a part of our life. Because as we've already talked about, Paul was already zealous when he was Saul. When he met Jesus, he was already a zealous leader. These were interests to him. And God used what was already ingrained in Paul to spread the gospel through the known world. So what has God ingrained into your life? What are those interests what are those hobbies? What are those things that you take for granted because it's just something that you do or something that you're interested in? What are those things that God can use when we surrender these things to God that are a part of our everyday life to show people who Jesus is, to show the world salvation? And I think there's many in this room that think about information like this and have the response of, I'm so tired I don't want to talk about zeal. I want to drink coffee and eat another chocolate chip cookie and go to bed. And I really hope my kids sleep through the night tonight and I'll get up and do it again tomorrow. And I think there's some people in this room who are just like, 
I'm just really laid back. When you talk about zeal, I just want to sit down on the couch and read a book with a cup of coffee and maybe a friend. That would actually be myself. Because <laughs> I'm not personally a naturally zealous person. And so that's where I want to encourage us tonight. That the time is short. That we don't have much time. We've talked about the brevity of life in our time together. We've talked about how short our life can be. Um, so this, this week, our, our family experienced some change. Uh, Dan's aunt went to heaven this week. Um, actually, yesterday. She went to heaven yesterday. And the same day, Dan's sister brought a baby into the world. And it's this cycle of life. And as Dan says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And before the Lord takes away, how can we use every moment of our life to zealously give our interests in our everyday activities, our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our children, in our schools, to the Lord and say, God, how can you display your glory to the people around me? Lord, how can we do that? I pray, God, that you would rise up a zeal in us because we recognize that the time is short. We recognize, Lord, that you are the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And Jesus, no one comes to the Father except through you. And not everyone has heard that message. And we have this sweet message. And we wanna show your love and show your truth to the world. God, fill us with zeal. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. When we don't feel like it, help us to do it anyway. God, when it's inconvenient, help us to do it anyway. When we're embarrassed or when we're hurt or we feel out of our comfort zone, help us to tell it anyway. That we would be a people who hear your voice. That you would interrupt our daily mission to put your mission in our heart to drive us God, to be builders of your kingdom and a display of your magnificent love to the world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I wanna read one more verse to you tonight. It's from our friend Paul from Colossians chapter three, verse 17. Paul says, let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the master Jesus thanking God the Father every step of the way. Thank you so much for being with us for the Life Together podcast. It's even better when we get to see you in person. You are invited to join us on Wednesday evenings here at Oak Creek Assembly of God. We are a church that exists to reach our world for Christ as we lead people to discover and become who God has created them to be. Find us online at oakcreekag.org.